Thank you. Good morning. How are you? Good. You like my shirt? It's uh, the best I could do over the last few days. It's uh, really for the state of Wisconsin, though. It's, I think it's also badger related, so, but it's more for just the state. And so uh, I couldn't quite go all the way to Packer Gear, so I thought this would be a... This would be a good uh, middle, middle ground. Yeah, if it is your first uh, Sunday here, um, yeah, this is my last Sunday here. And I, we had a little greeting line after the service last night. And, this, and a sweet young guy came up and he said, he says, this is my first time here tonight. I hope you're not leaving because of me. <laughs> I was like, I am. I am. I am. So, um, yeah, it's great to... It's great to be with you. I just want to share a few thoughts uh, from the book of Philippians uh, as, we, uh, as I wrap up that are both thoughts on what God's put on my heart for our time here and just thoughts on, on what I want to leave you with, encouragements, exhortations of a uh, departing pastor. And uh, so it will be, I think, a, hopefully a wonderful time for us to together. If you have, if you have a Bible, uh, you can open up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 will also be on the screen. And uh, we're going to read through chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And we'll start here with uh, verses 3 through 6. Philippians chapter 1, 3 through 6. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Philippi and talking about the great love he has for them. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What I want to say here in um, what Paul writes here is his thankfulness and his love for uh, the church in Philippi. If we go on and read verses 7 through 8, he goes from thankfulness and joy and talks about it the way he feels about the church in Philippi. He says in verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so my first point is is just to really reflect and thank you for the joy that you've given me over the past four and a half years. I love what Paul says here. He says that I thank my God when I remember you, I love you. And he says in verse uh, four, he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And so as Paul loves the church in Philippi, by extension, right, is this similar type love that I have uh, for Door Creek Church and the joy that I have when I think of you and, and will always have when I uh, think, of, think of you. Paul, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And that's so true. I, I'm, I'm thankful for you, uh, but I'm really thankful to God that he allowed me to come here because it was his plan. I didn't choose to come here, right? I didn't think Madison, Wisconsin, for sure. Like, you know, it's just like, I never had even been here before. And yet God knew this was where he wanted us to be. And so the thankfulness that Paul has, the love that he has, having people in his heart, the partnership that we've had in the gospel, um, it's just been amazing. I mean, this, this is the place where I really learned how to preach and still learning, obviously, and be learning my whole life. But uh, I had preached really, and Mark can, Mark can tell you this <laughs> based on the videos that were sent in about my preaching, that I had only preached, uh, pr- before I got here, before my first message here, I'd only preached probably about 10 times in my whole life. 
right? Just not, I had a few opportunities, but it wasn't something where I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a pastor and maybe preach. And um, I remember uh, Mark sent me an email, I think even before I was on staff, and said, hey, we're going through Eat This Book, remember that? And, and would you like to preach, you know, basically your third or fourth weekend here? Uh, and I was like, sure, that'd be, that'd be great, awesome. And people don't even know me, but yeah, I'll, you know, what am I preaching on? He's like, hey, you're preaching on Lamentations. And it's like, oh, great. <laughs> great, that's a buzzkill, right? Lamentations. And uh, where's Lamentations? I've got a, I, where is it? And... Uh, that was like one day in seminary on Lamentations, then you move on. And so I had to go back, and uh, it was a message called The Grace of Wrath. Uh, actually, it remains one of my favorite messages that I, that I did. And actually, um, I have a picture from that message because I just did a screenshot, and you can see how young I looked and how, um, right? It's like when presidents start their term, you know, and then you, like after four years, you look back and you think, what happened? And... Winter and twins. Um, <laughs> I hadn't looked at it in a while, and I pulled it up yesterday, and I was like, well, you, just, you used to be a handsome guy, or they used to look good. <laughs> and that, 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 from that point on, 60, 63 uh, sermons later, until we are right here, has just been amazing what God has done. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to preach and grow before you. I mean, you've seen me really grow. I mean, this is where I've got to do it. And I especially want to thank Mark because he, from my first month here, opened up uh, the preaching slot, which is very coveted because we value what gets taught here and we care about what gets taught here. And he was just continually encouraging and also challenging in my preaching. And I wouldn't be, I really wouldn't be up here and have the opportunity if it wasn't for his selflessness and his uh, humility. And instead of just saying, no, 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 we, no, no, you are the Thanksgiving preacher, right? You just do that, right? You know, which a lot of pastors do because they get threatened. They don't want that. They want to be the guy. And that's not Mark, right? He wants Jesus to be the guy. And if I can do it or he can do it, then so be it, right? And that's a beautiful thing. That's what you call a partnership in the gospel where it's not about his name or my name. It's about Christ's name. And that's what we're about here. And so, the, but that is just the people at fellowship where I'm going to preach, um, they can't say thank you, but I'm thanking right on their behalf because my preaching will, will start better than when it started here because I got to just, just have God grow me in front of you. And I'm so thankful for your feedback, encouragement, and even your, your challenging uh, feedback as well, which has just helped me and shaped me. And so as a preacher, I found my voice here. I realize that this is what I'm supposed to do. And secondly, I also, uh, in Paul's thankfulness, is I just know that um, really as Paul grew, by planning these churches, grew as a pastor. I've grown as a, as a pastor, right? You're in seminary, and seminary doesn't really prepare you to be a pastor. It prepares you to read the Bible, which is important, part of being a pastor. Um, but it doesn't really prepare you for the messiness of pastoral ministry. And uh, you're in a classroom, and you're learning, and, you know, and it, kinda, it just feels like, you know, maybe in medical school, and then you go to the hospital, and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone here is sick, <laughs> right? This is like not just a textbook, you know? And you're in the midst of, of people, and there, there are moments early on where I just was overwhelmed by how difficult it was, how hard it was, and how insufficient I was. It's like, Lord, I'm 26 years old, and I have these people who are twice my age. Like, they should tell me, I don't, what am I, how can I be, help them? And over and over again, right, God just said, in, in your weakness, in your insufficiency, right, I am strong, and I am sufficient. And pastoral ministry is not about you being the person who can help people. 
but about pointing people to Christ who can help people. Right? And, and you helped me learn that, right? Because I'm a natural fix-it. I think sometimes pastors are natural fix-it people, which is why we want to go help people. But it can be this easy uh, thing where it's like, I want to help people um, because I just, I can do it. And I can put that in my cap and say, look how I, I helped you. And I realized within a few months that I was just totally out of my depth, right? I had no words. And I remember someone coming to my office one time, probably six months in, you know, and uh, I knew it was going to be an intense meeting. They were just going through some hard, dark things. And uh, I've been through a lot of those meetings now, but this is one of my first ones. And I remember, you know, I had my verses ready. And I was like, okay, I think if he says this, I'm going to say that. You know, just like, I got, I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him. And, and he walked in and just a total, a total wreck. And I was like, oh, they all, there go all the plans. There go all, just everything I thought was about to happen. I remember he stopped and he just said, RD, I am so lost. And all that I'm asking for you is what do you think of me as a human being? And I, with tears in his eyes, and I remember in that moment thinking, wow, God, you have put me in this place for such a time as this. And when I said to him, I said, hey, it doesn't really matter what I think about you as a human. Now, this was the Lord speaking through as the Holy Spirit speaking through me in that moment. It says, all that matters is what Christ thinks about you. Because that's got to be the anchor for your life, pointing into him. And so then I got to just totally change the trajectory of the meeting when I was sensitive to like, Lord, help me not just be a fix-it person. Help me be a person that enters into the mess. And really the love that, that Paul has, he says, I have all the affection for you of Christ Jesus. And I believe him. And I know even, I think in a small way, what that means. Because even though I don't know all of you, I know a lot of you, right? At least your faces, because everyone sits in the same seat every single service. <laughs> <clears throat> and so I can see faces that I've seen, some of you for three or four years, you know? And being a pastor, you have this like extension. Though I don't know you in this, in this amazing sense, I feel like I do. And God's just placed you on my heart. A lot of you I do know, but even those that I just see, just the Lord works in such a powerful way where I just have this deep love for you in the way of Christ Jesus. And to grow as a pastor, um, to grow as a husband and as a father, I'm so thankful for the staff here at this church um, and just how I've been able to, to just learn that it's not about me, it's about Christ and it's ongoing and it's learning. And so for those of, of you who've just been able to see that, I'm just so I'm just so thankful. And, and the great truth is that the gospel works, right? Christ works, you know? I mean, I've been through so many situations and I've just seen over and over again how the power of the gospel changes people's lives. It just changes people's lives. And to just be a messenger of that and to equip people to be a messenger of that and to hear about through a message or through something, you know, that, that God's used me to do, that you've then done that in your own life, you know, it doesn't get sweeter than that, to see high school students coming to faith, sharing their faith, to see marriages that were on the rocks coming back together again, to see single moms just taken care of because you thought this is the way of Jesus. It's just amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing the affection that I have, how much I've learned and grown from all of you. I hold you in my heart, as Paul says, and I always, well, no matter where I go, no matter where I go. So I'm joy, the joy that you give me, the joy that I've been reflecting on this week um, has just been amazing. And I, and I'm reminded of, I know we feel a lot of pain and I, you know, we my wife has cried a lot of tears this week and, uh, I, you know, I haven't yet cause I don't know how you are about transitions or moving, but I'm one of those people who just, it, it takes me until after it happens. You know, I've been thinking about, well, I got a message. I got this message. I got this thing to do. So there's, there's things I got to take off before I can like enter in there. 
And yet, even through all of that, right, just there's this pain that it is, you know, it's going away. And uh, I love what C.S. Lewis says. I had to have one more C.S. Lewis quote, of course, for you. And C.S. Lewis said, he said, you know, the pain that you feel right now is the happiness that you had yesterday. That's the deal. That's how life works, right? The sorrow that you feel now is the joy that you had yesterday. And that's true. And the sorrow we have and the pain, you know, just leaving when people, no, not just me, not just about me, but people that leave our life that we love, the pain is the happiness of yesterday. And the great news of the gospel is that it'll be the joy of tomorrow if we have faith in Christ because we'll get to spend eternity together. We don't have to say goodbye. And we get to be together forever, right? That's why it's so hard to say goodbye because we're never meant to say goodbye. And in the gospel, ultimately, we never, we never have to. So the joy you bring me because of your love, your for me, for my wife, you know, we moved away from family. We had twins. And um, we just had so many people just become family to us. And I could name names um, of people that have taken care of our girls. And, uh, you know, when it's not your family, there's not really a reason to do it. Not really. But people here have just said, we want to be your family. And that just meant so much to us. Um, just, just being like Jesus. I'm so thankful um, for your prayers for that. So the joy you bring me is immense. Secondly, what I, I want to say is what Paul says here at the end, um, and that's this is the second point, is keep pursuing Christ. Keep pursuing Christ. That's what Paul says here, 9 through 11. He says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. And in this scripture, it won't be on the screen, I just want to read it, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. And that's my prayer. That Door Creek would keep pursuing Christ. Stay hungry for Jesus. Keep pressing into him more. Never be satisfied with where you are. There's more to take hold of. There's more to know. Because Christ has taken hold of us, we should just take hold of him. And grow in that because he's worthy. He's everything. He's sufficient. A couple of points that I just want to share that I felt the Lord put, put on my heart and keeping Christ central as it relates to just our lives and how beautiful his redemption is, is, is number one is this, that, that no matter what your story is, no matter what, what it is, what, what, what you have walked through, that um, no part of your story is wasted. It doesn't matter. The hard parts, the difficult parts, the parts that you don't want to remember, God wastes nothing. Not one second of your entire life from the moment that God thought of you before the foundation of the world is a waste. Is, oh, oh, that was, no, no, God says no. Because the redemptive potential in everyone's life is what the gospel is all about, right? Christ redeemed. And so it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can redeem it. Because what God has done in your life, right, he wants to do through your life, right? How, how many of us, through what God has done in our life, we can then counsel with someone and say, I've been there. I know what it's like in a way that someone else can, right? Our stories are powerful, and our stories are the way that God's glory spreads throughout the earth, because people can dismiss the Bible. They can say, oh, it's myth. It's ancient. No one actually believes that. They can't dismiss your story. They can't dismiss what God has done in your life. It's power. When you say, I was dead, and now I'm alive. I used to be selfish, and now I'm selfless. 
I used to live for myself and now I live for others. And then you're going to say, how is this possible? Jesus, Jesus makes this possible in your story. It's the man in John chapter 9 who was born blind and Jesus heals him. And the Sadducees bring him before him and they're like, God, who healed you? He's like, I don't know. I have no idea who healed me. Like, what? And hey, here's, all, here's all that I know. Five seconds ago, I couldn't see. And now I can. So you need to go figure that out, right? And that's what Jesus does. I was blind and now I see. That's your story. That, that's my story. That's the gospel story. No part of your story is ever wasted, right? If it's not over, it's not done. It's not done until we see his face. The hard things, in the end, will turn out for God's glory. No part of your story is wasted. God redeems. God redeems. That's just what he does. Secondly, I've said it many times. I think it bears repeating. Um, God will give you more than you can handle, but he'll never give you more than he can handle. God, God will give you more than you could ever handle, but he will never give you more than he can handle. He is sufficient. I have met with so many people who are burdened by so many things, and, and, and in my own life, so many things are difficult and painful. And it's like, why, why? I can't handle all of this. And again and again, I just encourage you to say, I know, you weren't supposed to. You can't handle it. You're not meant to be self-sufficient. You're not meant to be self-dependent. You're meant to be dependent on Christ. Give it to him because he can bear it. He can take it, right? The power of Christ sustains you in your life. Whatever it is that you're walking through, Christ is walking through it with you by the power of the Spirit. So you can trust him. He's never going to leave you, right? Pastors come and go. Churches come and go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? You don't have to put your hope in me. Right? You can put your hope in Christ. He is faithful. He will never abandon you. He will never leave you. He is always there, walking through you, saying, I can handle it. I can take it. I know life is messy. I know life is hard. I know life is difficult. That's why I'm here for you. Give it to me. I can handle it. I can take it. Pursuing Christ, doing that in the face of suffering, in the face of adversity is a beautiful thing. Because the only thing that can never be taken from you in your whole life is Christ. Everything else will be taken from you but him. And he's all that you need. Right? When you realize that Christ is all you have, you realize that actually he's all that you need. He's all that you need. And so to be at a church where we proclaim the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Christ and his sufficiency and his foundation, that, that's what we're about here at Door Creek. Whether it's Mark or myself or whoever else, you know at Door Creek Church you're going to hear about Christ because what else are we going to talk about? And who else is the hope of the world? Who else is going to change people's hearts? But Jesus and what he's done from the very beginning is what he's doing even now. Jesus is on the move in this church. And I could go through story after story after story of seeing what God has done in people's lives. People who are pursuing him, who are growing into maturity in Christ because Christ has taken hold of them. There's, he's so sweet. He's so beautiful. I want him to know him more. I don't just want religious activity. I want to know Jesus. I don't just want to go to church. I want to be the church. I want to know Christ. And that's the power. Never, never substitute right, church attendance or religious activity for abiding in Jesus. For abiding in Jesus. If you want to have impact for Jesus, you have to have intimacy with Jesus. You have to abide. Jesus says, you can do nothing unless you abide in me. Hey, isn't that the hardest thing sometimes, just to be still and to abide? And Jesus says, always, always, always to the prodigals, the older prodigals, the younger prodigals, I am sufficient, I am enough, you can come home. 
You can come home because, because I can handle everything in your life. I can handle everything in your life. The last thing, there's so many more things, but the last thing about pursuing Christ is, I want to say this, live your life as a son or a daughter of God and not as a worker for God. Right? In a sense, of course, all of us are servants of God. We work for God. Yes, we do. But that's not your primary identity. Your primary identity is as a son or a daughter of God. That Jesus Christ loves you because he loves you. And that's what love is. No strings attached. He loves you because he loves you. And if you live your life from an identity that you have received, not from an identity that you have to go and achieve, you will have such peace. Look, because of Jesus, look at me. Because of Jesus Christ, you don't have to prove anything to anyone about how much you matter. You don't have to. The test has already been passed. It's done. It is done. It's finished. It is finished. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to try and be someone. Jesus Christ loves you because he loves you. The gospel is a gift to you because he didn't begrudgingly give it to you. Okay, fine. Or uh, I'm ready now to give it to you. You had a really great day today, so you get to have the gift of the gospel, right? Yeah, that's how a lot of us live. We live in shame or guilt that, why God, he doesn't love me now. As if when he saved you, he was going to be surprised by anything that was going to happen in your life. No, God delighted to save you. He delighted to rescue you. He loves you. He enjoys you. He even likes you. He does. He has great affection for you. And to live to just the freeing things in my life, and even as a pastor, oh, I fight this, right? We all fight this, where it's like you just, you, you, in our culture, it's just built on this thing where we look always horizontally to toys, to people, to things, and say, Tell, would you accept me? Tell me I matter. G- give me meaning. Give me purpose. G- give, me, give me something. And all the while, Jesus Christ stands at the door, and he says, I can give you all of those things. Are you looking for purpose or meaning or acceptance? Life it's in me. It is in me. It's in me. And that's the gospel. And that's, that's what I pray that uh, none of us ever get tired of talking about or preaching about or having our lives defined by. That Jesus Christ would not just be useful to you, but he would be beautiful to you. He would be so beautiful because of who he is. Because of who he is. That your life would be shaped by the gospel. Your life would be shaped by Jesus Christ. We've been looking, learning about uh, Abram. Uh, in, in Genesis 12, God comes to Abram and says, Abram, I want you to be a blessing to the world. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to the world. And, and that's what I really want to leave us with, is as a people to be a blessing to the world. That the gospel has come into our life. We've been changed. We've been moved from death to life. But it can't stop with us. It can't just stop with your story. Right? The gospel is not a cul-de-sac. It's like a roundabout that shoots you back out into the world. It shoots you back out and says, it doesn't, it doesn't end with you. It keeps going. It's not just about you. It's about other people. You've been blessed to be a blessing to other people. You've been blessed to be a blessing. And so my final point is this. The Door Creek Church would be known as the generous ones. The people of radical generosity in all kinds of ways. Blessed by Jesus. We've received everything from Jesus Christ. And now we can look to the world. Not to receive from the world. Not to consume from the world. But to give to the world in love. To donate ourselves to the world. Isn't that amazing? And I I know it already exists here. 
it already, the generosity is already here. And I just want to say, I just want to encourage you, do it more. I want to challenge us to do it more. Not so God will love us more, but because God already, God already has loved us. Because we want to be a blessing to the whole, to our city that is in such a need. And this scripture in Proverbs eleven twenty five just spoke to me this week. I want to, to leave you with this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Doesn't our world need refreshing? Is there anyone who says I'm refreshed enough? My tank is full. I'm good. I look at the country and I feel just fine, right? I look at my life and I feel everything is good, right? My family is perfect. My marriage is perfect. Everything is right. Is there anyone like that? No, of course there's not because the world is broken and things are hard. And yet Proverbs says that a generous person will bring refreshment to the world. A generous church will bring refreshment to the city. It will be this beautiful drink of water in the desert. You know when you have something that's just refreshing, how it just stops you? You know, and I haven't had water for a long time. And uh, I just, I have like really cold water with ice and I drink it and you can like feel it actually go into your body. It's like, this is so, this is so, this is what I needed. This is what I needed. We want to, Christians should be the generous ones. The culture says take, consume. And that only produces miserable people. Jesus says, you already have everything, so give. Be generous, be generous in your words. Be generous in your words, how we talk to them, building each other up, encouraging each other, helping each other. That Christians should be the most generous, encouraging people with our words, not tearing people down, not saying what's wrong with you, what are you doing here, right? You've got some big issues, right? Not, not saying those things, saying, I love you, I care for you. And even when you disagree with someone or have issues with someone, you still, you still look for the best in them because every single person is made in God's image. Be generous in our words. Be generous in our kindness towards one another. How, how we should be kind, not mean, not, not harsh with one another. Right? The world is harsh, isn't it? People are naturally mean right? because they're always trying to get something. And as Christians, we can say we just want to be kind. We just want to be kind towards other people. We want to be generous in our love towards other people. We want to be defined by how we love other people, not just what we're against or how much we hate this, but how much we love. That the city of Madison would just look and say, Door Creek Church, we don't maybe agree with things that they believe about Jesus, but they love people like crazy. They love people like crazy, generous in our words, generous in how kind we are, generous in our love, generous in our finances, and how we give to other people because it's not our money. We don't have to be Scrooge with it, right? Because it's better to give than to receive, isn't it? Because it just frees you up. It frees you up. That There's so many needs in our city, and in the world. And God says, I want you to give. You know, when I get gifts from my girls, it's very easy. It's the easiest money that I spend. Um, why? Because I love them. Because my heart naturally goes towards them. And where your heart goes, there goes your money. Right? Now I know what you're thinking. Oh, it was going so well until we brought up money. Things were, right? The heartstrings are being pulled and here the train is stopping. Here's, here's what I want to say. Um, and I was thinking about this this week because I, I bought my girl something this week and I go to Target and I get these two dolls and here I am at, down the, you know, this 30-year-old guy, you know, down the doll aisle at Target, you know, just <laughs> looking for dolls. Like, which one? I don't, I think they have all of these already. Which one can I find? And I get the two dolls and I want to bring them home. And, um, you know, so I walk in the door and I'm like, Maisie, Camille, 
I've got a surprise for you, you know, and they just go off the wall. They just go ballistic, right? I can't even give them, they're like going off the couch, doing like WCW moves, you know, on each other and all this stuff. I'm like, girls, do you want me to like give it to you or you just want to go crazy for another, you know? <clears throat> and so like, okay, 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 what do you have? We're like, what do you have, daddy? What'd you get us? And so I'll like pull out a puzzle or pull out, you know, like two dolls and give one to Camille and her face just, I mean, the joy on her face just lights up. I even give one the, the other, Maisie, the other one that I didn't <laughs> give it to. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I'm going to miss him. Either way, they both get one, okay? That would be a world war. That would be a world war. <laughs> and then Maisie's face, it just, it just lights up, and they both just say, they just say, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the joy on their face is only surpassed by the joy that I feel in giving it to them. And that should be the way of followers of Jesus in our world. But we just say, we want to see the joy in the faces of children and single moms and those who are suffering. Because Jesus Christ, though he was rich, he became poor, so that in his poverty we might become rich. And out of the riches of the grace in Christ, we can give freely in words, in kindness, in love, financially. We can just give so that everyone driving by Door Creek Church, you know, their first reaction may be, oh, there's, there's the big church. And someone else might be able to say, yeah, it's a big church, but you know what? They're the generous ones. They are so generous, right? Live lives that demand gospel explanations. Live a life where someone who's secular or doesn't know Jesus say, why on earth are you so encouraging? <laughs> why on earth are you giving your money away like that? Don't you want to save it? Don't you want to use it, right? Live lives where people have question marks by you and they can't figure you out, Right? Isn't that amazing where, where people just say, what in a sense, right? And go with me here. They're like, what is wrong with you? Why do you live your life this way? And we just say, Jesus. That's why I live my life this way. There's actually nothing wrong with me. Everything's been put right in me. I'm actually seeing the world clearly live lives where people around us say, what is different about you? And then you say, it's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. That's beautiful. Last thing I'll say is be generous in your prayers. I can't tell you how much the prayers over the past four and a half years have meant for me. People text me before a message or send me an email or over the past few weeks um, just praying for me in the transition. And, and Emily and I, we feel those prayers. We're thankful for your prayers, right? Prayer, prayer is not just the work you do before the work. Prayer is the work. Pray, praying to the Lord, praying to God big things, asking God of things, that we would be so generous in our prayers for ourselves and for other people, that God would shine his favor on people, that God would do again what he's done in the past. Be so generous in our prayers. When Emily and I <clears throat> um, moved here, we, we definitely weren't thinking about moving here. I had uh, applied for a lot of jobs, and I, you know, I was you know, a young punk seminary grad, and I thought the first church I sent my resume to was going to accept me. There's no problem, no problem. And I was in a Starbucks in Dallas, and the first, I sent the first resume off, and I'm like, Emily, pack your, get ready, pack your bags. And then the first church sends me an email back, and they're like, thanks for your, thanks for your application, but uh, your gifts do not match our needs. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, they don't, <laughs> right? And this is just where, like, my head was at that time, right? And so then, in God's providence, it took me another year of God teaching me patience and God teaching me waiting to find a job. A year I applied. I, I literally probably applied at 150 or so churches 
All of them said no. All of them said no. Emily and I came up here in March, which is maybe not the best time, but we came up in, in March, and uh, we met the people at Door Creek and uh, met Mark. And my prayer, I've told this to Mark many times, when we talked on the phone the first time, I just said, I said, Mark, I, I don't know if I want to be a high school pastor or a small groups pastor or a, you know, a coffee pastor, whatever, like a thousand different pastors now. It's like, I just want to be a pastor. <laughs> I just want to learn how to love people and learn under someone where I can learn how to do that. And a lot of pastors really had, had not hung up the phone right then, but just said basically, hey, that's not really what we're looking for. We're kind of looking for this role, which is fine. That's okay. I kind of gave my, you know, this is after 150 phone calls. I gave my big pitch to Mark on the phone. He's like, hey, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I was like, well, here we go. This is the beginning of the end, right, when I share my dreams of what I want to do. And I just shared, I was like, I want to do this. I think I want to be a lead pastor one day, but I, that's a long way away. I just want to be somewhere I can learn how to grow. I don't know what I want to do. And I remember I got done with this whole spiel, and Mark was like, sounds awesome. Sounds great. What if you got to do that here? And I was like, I'm sorry. Did you hear what I, did you hear what I said? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And uh, he, he just says, uh, you know, he's going to get up here and say some nice things about me. And, um, you know, I just want to say, Mark, that I, I do love you. And uh, I wouldn't be here without you. And the affection that I have for, um, for you, it's very hard being a pastor. Um, the burnout among pastors is the highest it's ever been because a lot of pastors are trying to do ministry without Jesus. And that's not Mark. Not that he's perfect. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. And yet he's always, he's just made me be a better husband, father, and pastor. And I'm just so thankful to you for that more than you could ever, ever, ever know. The Paul to my Timothy. And we came up and looked around and had a great time, our first visit. And honestly, though, we got back on the plane to Dallas, and I had two other churches I was interested in, in Florida and San Antonio. <laughs> and uh, I was like, Emily, I just, I just don't think this is it. I think Mark thought the same thing. Like, I think he said, that was great. I don't think we'll see him again, right? It just, it just didn't feel like it. And then over those next few days of praying, the Lord just made it clear, this is the place. This is the place. And Emily and I moved up here, and we were here a week, and we were downtown, and we'd been here a week, and I remember just thinking, you know, they have that moment where things settle in. No family here. We didn't know anyone here. And I remember thinking, wow, we really moved to Wisconsin. We really moved, like, away from everything we've ever known. And it kind of, some of the romance wore off, you know? And you're like, okay, here we are. And we have no friends, and we have, we have no idea what God's going to do. We're in a different culture, a different place. And so I was like, you know what, let's just walk down to one of the piers in Lake Mendota and pray. And so we have a picture that I took that night. This was four and a half years ago. And that's the picture. And I, because I wanted to remember that moment. I wanted that to be a marker moment for, for me. And I remember Emily and I were just very unsure and, and a lot of fear, just, you know, the unknown. You move somewhere and you just, you don't know. And I remember just saying, Emily, we don't need to be afraid. We need to pray. We need to be generous in our prayers. And I'm, I will never forget, ever, ever, ever. I remember sitting there on the pier just praying. And I remember praying, Lord, there's a lot of fear. How, how can I do this? How can I be a pastor? How, how can I? What have I done leading my wife up here? Just, I have all this fear. Would you just, 
give me peace, and would you calm me? And would you use my life, would you align our marriage in such a way that your glory would be the story of our time here, that men and women would come to faith in Christ, that people would grow in their love for Christ, that you might even use ordinary, broken people in their mid-20s like us to just bring the kingdom to earth. Would you use even us? And we're having this generosity in our prayers and asking God to do all of this. And I'm looking at the sun setting and I'm thinking, Lord, this seems crazy. We're gonna ask you to do even beyond what we could even imagine here over these, however long you have us here, a year, five years, 10 years, we just wanna pray that God, you would meet us where we are and that through what you wanna do in our life, people's lives would be changed. And you know the answer, what the answer to that prayer was? Is you. It was all of you. It was everything that God has done. What are you praying that God might do? If all of the prayer requests that you prayed this week came true, what would be different? What would change? Because the God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who brought Noah through the flood, who brought the people of Israel out of Egypt is your God is our God. He's still the God who speaks. He's still the God who saves. He's still the God who redeems. He's still the God that says the power of hell will not prevail against the church. He's still the God who loves you. He's still the God on high, and yet he's the God who came low to be with us, to know us, and to love us. He's a God who held nothing back for you and for me. He saved us because he wanted to, and then he brought us into a community of messy, broken people called the church. And he says, through you, the world is going to be changed. And from the moment that happened, it has been changed. And Door Creek has been able to be a small part, but a glorious part of the plan of God because of the prayers of people year after year after year after year, right? right? This church is not about me. It's not about Mark. It's not about anyone. My name is going to fade quickly, thankfully, and Jesus Christ's name is never going to fade, and that's what it's all about, his name and his fame and his glory, and the great news is he is committed to that. He is committed to that. He can use you because he loves you. He loves you, and so be generous. Let's be a generous, generous people. It has been just such a joy to be a pastor here. I love you so much. I love you so deeply. I've learned so much. And what, what I've learned most of all is that Jesus Christ is all, is all that we have and he's all that we need. And that's my final encouragement to you. Make him real. Don't make him a hobby. Don't make him an activity. Don't make him something you do every once in a while. Make him your life. Make pursuing him your whole life. He's worthy. He's worth it. And one day you'll see his face. One day you'll see his face and he will say, well done. Good pursuit. Way to be generous. I love you all. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we are thankful. Um, for your mercy, I am, I am thankful um, for your love, for your grace that um, before the foundation of the world, you knew that my wife and I would be a part of this church and that everyone sitting here would be here this day, would be a part of this church. And I'm just so grateful and thankful that as, as Paul wrote in Philippians, that he who began a good work will carry it on to the day of completion. That's true for this church. 
for me, for you. What God began, he will finish. So Father, I am so thankful and filled with such joy this day, not, not just because of the, how much I feel love, but because of you. Because of how good you are, how loving you are. And the sorrow that we feel today is the joy of yesterday, and thankfully it's also the joy of tomorrow. Thanks for loving us because you wanted to, not because you had to. Thanks for calling us to be part of the church. This just ragtag group of people trying to follow you. Thankful that you're always with us. Father, would we be known as the generous ones? As the people in our city who bring refreshment. Father, would it be so? Thank you for these people. They're saints. They're saints. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen.